Welcome to Jay Madison's Rural America. It's a journey through the stories impacting rural economies and country lifestyles. Jay Madison's Rural America is also a production of Jefferson County Economic Development. Now here's Jay. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Jay Madison's Rural America. I am Jay Madison, one of your hosts. Sitting next to me is the one and only, the legendary, Mr. Oh Ron Robbins. <laughs> How you doing, Ron? I'm doing great, Jake. <laughs> now you're legendary. Yeah. Well, hey, it's good to be something, I guess. <laughs> I call you a lot of things. Yeah. It yeah. might be the first time I've I don't called. know what I'm a legend of. Uh, well, we'll, you know, we'll... That's to be determined. We'll figure that one out. We'll yeah. figure that one out. So... Uh, Hey, uh, uh, just uh, we were talking uh, before the uh, beginning here. Uh, you went to the DFA uh, baseball game last yeah, night. Yeah, they had the uh, this area here. Northeast uh, region. Yeah. Uh, had, uh, actually, it was more like uh, central New York, Jefferson County. Oh, really? Thing, Lewis County. So oh, nice. Uh, Todd O'Brien always organizes that every year. Todd's our regional uh, manager here for DFA, and uh, had about 170 people there. Wow. Lots of kids at uh, the Syracuse Mets. At the Syracuse Mets game last night, uh, had 14 home runs. Wow, that's fantastic! But the Mets still lost. They lost. Yeah, with 14 home runs. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow, 14 home runs and they lost. Yeah. No. Damn, that must have been one. Well, that was 14 home runs, both teams. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah. I was going to say, wow, yeah. how do you but, lose with 14 yeah, home no, runs? But it was exciting. That's still exciting, though. Kids got a lot of foul balls, and uh, so that was exciting. But no, it's always a good time to uh, interact with fellow farmers from around the region. Yeah, no, and, that's nice. Uh, you know, it was good turnout. Uh, it's good to see everybody's positive attitude here. Oh, good. And it's even uh, better. Yeah. And, you know, crops are awesome this year, Jay. And I think that just really helps everybody's attitude, no matter what milk prices are doing. You know, if you're... If you know you're going into winter with a lot of feed and good quality feed and and you know that's one of the big advantages here of of our region is we we we, we may think we have weather extremes <laughs> we really never have a crop failure here a true total failure that's great and it's great to hear that that many farms that that's sort of an indication if you will of the the mood of the farm community if because if if things aren't Good. relatively good yeah there aren't going to be that many farmers no attending. no they you know and it's great to see you know families come with their kids to an event like that and the kids all get a chance to mingle get to know one another and yeah. and uh and hey you know the mets syracuse mets anybody that hasn't gone it's a great atmosphere oh yeah yeah it's it's a lot of fun down there yeah it's a good time we're supposed to go down august 10th or 11th or something like that with some yeah. friends of ours. And I know uh, the general manager there, Jason Smorrow. Okay. He actually got his start here in Watertown. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. with the uh, Watertown Indians, I believe okay. it was. Yep. Oh, wow. he was. He was a general manager way back when, up here, got his start, and then moved through the baseball industry and ended up there. And, oh, wow. And he's really, uh, he and his leadership... 
uh, have really upped the game, if you will, for yeah. the Syracuse Mets. Yeah. Doing a phenomenal yeah. job. Oh, yeah, phenomenal and they get great job. turnout Yep, down yep. there. All I the mean, time. All the time. I mean, place is always, you know, three-quarters full anyway. Yeah. He actually came and scouted us for the past two years. Ah. Yeah, he came last year, scouted us, and then he scouted us wow. this year. And the feedback he gave us was pretty good wow. on the whole entertainment thing. He said <laughs> we do a pretty good job. So. Well, hey, look at who was leading the charge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> but uh, no, so well, that's good. I'm glad you got to go do that. And speaking of, of crops, uh, actually leads into uh, the first thing I wanted to talk about today was I was watching, I don't know if you saw it on Fox News this morning, they had a report, we were talking about precision precision agriculture mm-hmm. and the use of technology. Well, Fox News had a report uh, the other day, uh, or th- this morning, excuse me, about the use of drones in harvesting apples. It was really cool. Really cool. Wow. Did you see it? I did not see it. I'll have to look that up online. Yeah. I mean, um, basically, this this machine goes down between the trees in the orchard. It has, and I believe the, tro- the drones are actually cabled into okay. this big mm-hmm. uh, bin on wheels that mm-hmm. travels. I think even that is automated. And the drones go up. And... The camera analyzes the apple to tell if that apple is right in, ripe right, enough to pick. Ready to pick. Then there's this this tube that ex- extends out of the drone, and I believe it uses suction. If that apple is ripe to pr- pick, it suctions onto the apple, picks the apple, drops, you know, brings in the it bin. back and puts it in the bin, then goes back up and checks mm-hmm. the rest of the apples in the trees to see if they're ripe yet. And if they're not ripe, they don't get picked yet. Right. And I just, I'm like, holy cow, you know, that that's just amazing. And we talk about precision agriculture, you know. Yeah, that's, and of course you think about the quality improvements of, yeah, uh, you know, very specific specifications of that fruit getting picked at a very specific time. Then they can come back through and, and re-pick it. Yeah. And, uh, of course, they're using drones, you know, doing the same thing with spraying for weeds and, and insects on major crops where the drone will actually fly and be able to pick out a weed in the field and just spray that weed and then move on and not spray the whole field. Wow, that is just incredible. Just incredible. So it. It, that drone will fly over the field, analyze everything growing there. Correct. And pick out the individual weed plant. Yeah. Yes. And spray that weed plant. Yeah. I mean, think about the environmental benefits of that. Absolutely. Because instead of, you may have pockets of weeds throughout a, a large field, you may not want to spray the whole field, but that's pretty hard to do. You know, if you got a big machine with a 120-foot spray boom on it to go out there, but this will just fly back and forth in a grid pattern and pick out weeds, spray them. And, and, uh, but that, I mean, that is just amazing. And the environmental benefits that, of that are obvious. You're, you're reducing the, the chemical usage on that field. Um, it's, it's much more efficient. It's definitely a cost-saving, yes. I would believe, in yes. the end for the yeah. farm. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, that's just tremendous. That's tremendous use of drone technology and and you know, yeah. environmental benefits as well. It, it leads into the next uh, topic I wanted to talk about is carbon credits. Uh, we had a really, by the way, we had we've had re- a really great response to the last couple of uh, podcasts Good. that we've done. The precision, uh, the precision agriculture. Uh, podcast people really enjoyed that our last podcast with Sean Hackett people really enjoyed that and I want to follow up on a little bit of that with with the precision agriculture we talked a lot about the environmental benefits of precision agri- of precision agriculture one of the things that you hear frequently when you're talking about you know precision agriculture environmental benefits climate change and so on is carbon credits. And I'm not sure a lot of people really understand. They hear it, it sounds like, hmm, okay, is it money or you know, is it a bank account or what is it? What are carbon credits? How familiar are you with that terminology, Ron? Well, fairly familiar. I mean, you know, agriculture really is a, when it comes to, you know, the environment and kind of the the ecology of, of running a farm of you look at the circle of life on a farm, for instance, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're growing crops, say you're a dairy farm, you're growing crops, which is pulling carbon out of the atmosphere to make those plants grow. Carbon's actually a plant food. Okay. Yeah. You and I wouldn't be here without carbon. So, yeah. you know, some of that, we have to be a little careful how much we how want much to reduce. we remove. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. But, you know, uh, people don't think about that either. No. <laughs> oh, just get rid of all the carbon. Okay. So, but without you know, without carbon, plants won't grow. So a farm goes out. Yes, he burns. He emits some carbon in tilling the soil and uh, you know using fuel in a tractor. But then he's growing those crops. He's pulling that carbon back into those plants and back into the soil. Then he's harvesting those crops. He's feeding those crops to dairy cows, which is creating a food substance. So even if you're burning some carbon or emitting some carbon there, you're also pulling carbon back because you're producing something. And then you're utilizing that manure from those cows as fertilizer. So you actually are you know, rather than producing chemical fertilizers or synthetic fertilizers, you're using a natural fertilizer, so you're storing that right back in the soil again. So it's really quite a circle of yeah, life. Yeah, it is. It is a circle of life. And yeah, so everybody idea. looks at farms as kind of being the key to all this, right? Because, you know, as Dr. Frank Mitliner had told us in a previous podcast, I mean, we're actually net positive in U.S. agriculture. Really? I, I, I do remember that. Um, yeah, we are net positive. Yeah. So that means we're actually uh, taking more carbon out of the atmosphere than we're putting into yes. the atmosphere. Yes. So then you have industries out there. Let's just, we'll pick on the airline industry for, sure, for sure. a minute. And so you have the airline industry, which is flying jets around the world, burning a lot of jet fuel, you know, a lot of support equipment on tarmacs and everything else. It's, you know, so they're they're emitting an awful lot of carbon and not pulling anything back. Right, yeah, it's all going out. There's yeah. nothing coming back in. Right, with everything, with this ESG, environmental social governance is the is the term for that. You know, there's, there's this 
move to say you as an airline corporation, you have to go buy a carbon credit. So you got to find somebody that's actually net positive because you're net negative big time. The carbon credit then is basically a transaction where the benefit of taking in carbon and sequestering that carbon, storing it, has a dollar value. They, right. they assign, and I'm actually reading one of the articles I downloaded, uh, one credit allows for the emission of one ton of greenhouse gases. Right. So if a jetliner fl flying through the air to, on its trip emits 10 tons of greenhouse gases in its trip, and I don't know if that's accurate, accurate or, not, or whatever, but, yeah. but if they emit 10 tons for that trip of greenhouse gases, they need or want to buy 10 carbon credits yes. to, to offset what, pollution they're putting into the right. environment. So so a carbon credit allows the credits owners to emit carbon dioxide or other greenhouses greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. When you buy that carbon credit, you're allowed to emit one ton of greenhouse gases. So the idea is to offset your emissions by another industry's sequestering or trapping of Carbon. Green, yeah, yeah of greenhouse carbon gas or greenhouse yeah. gases. Yeah, and so what you're saying is agriculture, and what Doctor Fr uh, Frank Mitliner told us in a podcast uh, several months ago now, um, is that agriculture tends to be that positive. Yes, for sequestering carbon and greenhouse gases. Now, a question for you: As I read this article, the author called was saying that some are calling this uh, these carbon credits a potential gold rush for agriculture. Do you see it that way? It has the potential. The potential, okay. But. All right, big but here, big folks. Big but, yeah. <laughs> My big concern going forward is, will the true value of that credit being generated on a farm find its way back to that farm? And or will the way it's structured right now, you have a lot of hands in the pie in the middle that are coming to the farms, convincing farms to basically sell those credits for pennies on the dollar. They then take that credit, go sell it to an airline company, charge them an awful lot of money for it. Mm. So there's that big divide in the middle. And when agriculture is doing such a great job of generating that credit, how do we get the majority of that value where it belongs? Well, it sounds like the cheap food system we have here in the United States. Yes. We encourage food to sell cheaply, so the farmer takes it on the chin, but yeah. the the retail seller of that cheese or, or that food yeah. gets the better price. Right. And there's so, that So in this case, you have the airline company paying an awful lot of money for this credit. You got the farm receiving a very small amount of money, being convinced to let that car let that value go. And somebody in the middle making a lot of money, whether it's venture capital funds and, you know, Wall Street corporations, others that are, a lot of these firms or funds are popping up huh. under the disguise of being this carbon broker. Now, is anybody addressing that? Not to my knowledge. And that's that's been my big beef with all this, Jay, is that, you know, we're being... And we're being told in agriculture that we got to do even more. Right. Yeah. You get fingers pointed at you, which, yeah. you know, you wonder then, okay, is that the broker 
painting this picture so that they can get you to create more carbon credits that they can make a lot of money off of while you get pennies on the dollar and the other industry, the industry that has no choice but to buy carbon credits pays a lot of money. A lot of money. So you wonder if, if there's a picture that's painted inaccurately of agriculture so that somebody in the middle makes a ton of money. Well, that's that's exactly where I'm going with this. In fact, we had this conversation last night, you know, standing around there at the baseball game. And I and it's funny we're talking about this today because I talked about it we talked about it last night. How do we how do we level this playing field? And and you know and, and a lot of these venture capital funds are out there, you know, and they're putting pressure on these corporations, whether it's a food company, whether it's an airline company, you know, they're they're saying, hey, if you want our investments in your company, if you want our got to meet these criteria and you've got to pay this kind of money, then they're also trickling back down to the farm saying you got to do more for less. Exactly. Well, and, and I was sharing with you, where did I put that story? I was sharing with you before we started about Ireland. Well, basically the gist of that, uh, right, is that is. Uh, Ireland's reducing yeah. their dairy herd. Considering cutting dairy cow population by 200,000 head yeah. to fight climate change. And see, that goes into our conversation last week about the EU. Uh, we're seeing it in Australia and New Zealand, uh, where this big push to basically downsize, significantly downsize animal agriculture. And ultimately, what that does to reduce the ability of those countries, which currently today are major exporters of dairy product to the world. By 2030, I mean, some estimates are that those combined, the EU, Australia, New Zealand, their ability to export dairy will drop by 15%. So then who picks that up? Right. Uh, who's going to pick that up? And and it's not just about the dairy product either. You know, I hate to say it, folks, but there's an awful lot of your clothing, your your day-to-day things, even pharmaceuticals that have compounds, chemicals, products that come from animal agriculture. Correct. From the harvest of that animal, once it reaches its you know end of life, it's not just taken out back and dumped in a pile. Right, it's right. actually a, yeah. almost every part of the animal is used, used in something. In a lot of different ways, you'd be amazed at the way you know our our livestock are used for everything, everything. Yeah, so we're seeing this, you know, in some countries like the European Union, specifically, you know, places like France, Ireland, are really, you know, the Netherlands, my God, what's going on there? Uh, you know, where the government's actually forcing farms to sell. They're moving very, very quickly. And, you know, some some analysts will say that it's moving so fast, so quickly, that by the time people realize what has happened to them, it's going to be too late. And those industries will never, ever recover to where they are today. Right. Then the other piece of this is food supply. Yes. Global food supply. Here in the United States, we're pretty fortunate in that we have the capability to produce an enormous amount of food. We do have the capability of, for the most part, feeding our own people on a national level, I believe. But when you look at third world countries, when we start drastically reducing that global food supply, we're going to have a, a huge impact on those those countries that cannot produce enough food to, 
feed their own people. There's a lot of concern about that. Climate change rules, and when you get John Kerry out there flying around in his private jet campaigning on climate change. Yeah, and he's actually now saying agriculture has to really step to the plate and make the the sacrifices. It sounds to me like agriculture is already stepping to the plate and doing a fantastic job of it. Maybe we ought to reduce our private jet trips. Yeah, and maybe we ought to uh, not listen to John Kerry so much. <laughs> I would argue that too. <laughs> but that's no, my opinion. Sorry, yeah. it does not reflect my but, agency. You know, but that's you know that narrative is out there, and agriculture's kind of been in the bullseye. And I, you know, we've talked about this time and time again. And ultimately, it will lead to global food crisis, maybe sooner than we think. But and that's not just Ron Robbins and I sitting here saying that, based on our own craziness. It's based on a lot of experts across the nation that are saying the same thing. We're hearing that from a lot of people that are concerned about what's happening out there with these drastic reductions in animal agriculture, but not just animal agriculture, agriculture in general, and reducing the production capability of agriculture in the name of climate change. It's just craziness how fast we're heading in that direction. Yeah, now I did talk to a staff member last night from DFA, a senior staff member, who said the good news is they're starting to see some major food companies begin to kind of hit the brakes on this stuff, Hmm. thinking that maybe we need to slow it down a little bit here. Yeah. And take some pause. And, Maybe just a little. And think about where we are here in the U.S. And I think some analysts will tell you that the hope is, is that at the end of the day, there's enough intelligence here within the U.S. and the leadership of these major food companies to say, let's slow this down. Let's let's not follow the EU and Australia and New Zealand down this rat hole that has not a good ending. So the good news is maybe maybe that's happening a little bit. A friend of mine told a, told me a quick story about he was at a meeting. It was a major dairy meeting and they had panel discussions. Uh, they had a panel discussion about all this climate change stuff and the fact that people want to know where their food comes from and they want this environmental sustainability goals to be met. And he said, this gal gets up, she was representing a major corporation. I won't name names, but uh, he said, you know, she was 30 something, dressed to the nines. She gets up and she uh, begins to tell the story of how this particular company, uh, you know, Every single customer that walks through the door wants to know about how their food is produced. And if I told you the company, you would you would just it would be laughable, right? <laughs> so anyway, the the moral of that story is, you know, he said I sat there and said, There ain't no way. It's maybe, you know, there might be certain companies, very elite food companies, but this one is not one of those. And uh no way. I mean, yes. Is there a percentage of the population out there that is concerned about that? Absolutely. And everybody should be concerned. Somewhat concerned. Yeah, somewhat concerned of where their food comes from and how it's produced. Absolutely. There's an awful lot of people, especially right now, given our economy. Yeah. They're trying to figure out how do I buy hamburger for my kids next week. Yeah, you know, it was interesting. I had a conversation uh, yesterday. My son Jeff runs... uh, a basketball camp every summer, the shot doctor camp. And uh, one of the coaches, 
Him and his wife are both teachers. Uh, they're in St. Lawrence County. You know, he said, hey, you know, we, we both make good salaries and have good benefits. But he said, you know what? We find ourselves some weeks paycheck to paycheck. Absolutely. Same boat here. They got two kids. It's Kristen and I are in the same boat. You know, it's it's paycheck to paycheck. Uh, there's not a lot in, you know, reserve. Yeah. yeah. I hate to say that. It's kind of embarrassing. But at the same time, it's the reality. Yeah. Every I went to buy lithium batteries for my, my electric, you know, I'm trying to do my part, folks. And I bought an electric weed trimmer two years ago. And now the batteries are starting to go. Two years later, the batteries are already starting to falter. I went to the store to get a new one, and I'm figuring, oh, okay, probably a hundred bucks, and two hundred dollars each. Yeah, for one battery. One battery, two hundred dollars, and the manager said, "Well, we can't get those right now because they're not able to be ordered." Yeah. Because there's some kind of lithium shortage. Or yeah, something. well, they're, we're making so many electric batteries that there's a lithium shortage. And that's why the price is so high of these batteries, because what goes into making them is in short supply. Yeah, and I don't want to, well, I do want to know, but I just saw that movie, Sound of Freedom, Mm -hmm. and I really do wonder what the situation is, where the lithium is coming from, what the situation is, how that lithium is harvested. It's it's sitting in, it's it's bothering me inside right now Mm -hmm. after seeing that movie. Yeah. Yeah, take a deep breath, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, a lot of times our conversations on this podcast mig- migrate back where we are within our, our food supply, what's going on around the world. And, and here we have all this advanced technology that's being embraced by agriculture. We are the most productive farmers on the planet yep. here in the U.S. We're carbon positive, greenhouse gas positive, and yet we're asked to do more and more and more for less and less. That's got to, there's got to be a reconciliation. Well, and it's sort of a different subject, but along the same lines, uh, you know, I was mentioning to you that the uh, New York State Senate uh, uh, Agriculture Committee just sent a letter to USDA or whoever on the farm bill saying that we need to put whole milk, 2% milk back into school diets. And we do need to do that because it's better for the kids, tastes better. Kids will drink more milk than the, the junk that they're drinking. And in the end, it helps the farmers. It's beneficial to the farmers to have people enjoy 2% whole or whole milk yeah. versus p- putting skim milk in front of them. Yeah, and you look at what's going on with these kids and even my grandkids, not all of them, but... There's a couple that they migrate to these sugary drinks. With uh, no nu- nutritional value. Right. And then you compare that to the rate of diabetes and other things that we're seeing in this country. And we've two generations now of, we've lost two generations of milk drinkers in school that have migrated over to these sugary drinks that have absolutely juices and other things that juice boxes, you name it, have no nutritional value. All I mean, basically, then you see how that, migrates into adulthood into diabetes and we're worried about these kids being having drinking whole milk i mean (laughs) makes no sense ulterior motives yeah a hidden agenda yeah i mean you really gotta wonder here yeah you know it's uh, i mean that's where i get no and to to put a positive spin on the end of the conversation here as i saw this morning 
it's incredible how we're using technology uh, to improve agriculture, to to meet the needs of Americans here in the you know, to provide good nutritional food for Americans to eat. So, and, and some will say that ultimately the world will come to the U.S. for its food. Wouldn't surprise. Well, especially if they keep going the way yeah. they're going. So. And so that's why we got to be we got to be one thinking about this. Be prepared. And be smart. Well, Ron, we need to wrap yeah. up. We've gone just a touch along here. Uh, really appreciate everybody listening to the show. You know, please uh, check out, if you're new to the podcast, check out some of the older podcasts. We love having you back every week here. This is Jay Madison. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for tuning in to Jay Madison's Rural America. Make sure to join us weekly. If you have any questions about the show, call Jay at 315-782-5865. For more information, visit www.agricultureevents.com or jcida.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to Jay Madison's Rural America.